Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. So 34k Bitcoin, huh? Yeah, man, it was a big pump. What was it like 12 or 2 percent one day? What's going on, like dude? Hours, dude. What's going on? Is Not the world much. is the world dying? Is that what's going on? Uh, I don't think the world is dying. I think it's uh, you know a little bit of I don't know. I think it's a big part of it was the ETF news, man. Everybody wants that ETF pump and. You know, we saw that with what it was like Coin Telegraph. They tweeted out, maybe an intern got scolded and they took it down. They said, like, they thought sources were, um, you know, saying that the BlackRock ETF was going to get approved a week ago. We saw a little pump. And then, you know, the ETF news yesterday uh, came out with the ticker symbol and everything. And then that's when we saw the big pump. So I think it's just a big part of it's like on the Bitcoin news, just people are. The traditional finance people, I guess, are, are the ones that really want the ETF to be passed. And yeah, I think that was just like kind of the pump on that news. But what does it say for us as Bitcoiners wanting this ETF to happen and then uh, and then us uh, directly benefiting from it? I mean, are, are we all fiat inside? I mean, what, are, what, are, what are, like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel torn at all? Or I know I feel yeah. torn. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely torn on it. But I mean, like, if you kind of, I don't know, if you think about it to an extent, like micro strategy has almost been like a Bitcoin spot ETF at this point, like it kind of tracks pretty similarly to the price of Bitcoin. And, you know, obviously, micro strategy and Michael Saylor have so much on uh, Bitcoin on their balance sheet, um, that, you know, it essentially, you know, it's just almost like a Bitcoin spot ETF. But I think like, you know, it's more so about like the traditional finance people just kind of seeing validity behind Bitcoin, right? Because I mean, obviously as like plebs that are listening to this, we, we don't need traditional finance people or the traditional finance bros or whatever you want to call them, like Goldman Sachs, the banks, all that on Bitcoin, or even to accept it as, you know, kind of some standard, but you know, Larry Fink and BlackRock, like working pretty hard to get this ETF passed you know, puts a little bit validity behind, puts a little bit more validity behind Bitcoin and everything that, you know, plebs have been saying for years and years now, where it's like, okay, you know, traditional finance person, maybe even, you know, people who's listening, parents, like, all right, BlackRock's getting involved in this. Maybe there's something to it. I know, like, 
you know, a couple years ago when I brought up Bitcoin to my parents and Elon was getting into it, they're like, well, we don't really understand Bitcoin, but Elon's smart. So <laughs> he must, he must know something about it. So, I mean, even to like the average person who doesn't really know anything about Bitcoin, I think it just adds validity to it. And, you know, the way plebs are just going to hodl through it, it's like there's not much Bitcoin left in order to be scooped up off of exchanges or even left to be mined where, and then there's all this institutional capital just kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting to get into something like Bitcoin. So, you know, I think it's, it's kind of twofold, right? I mean, it's obviously we're going to, you know, one Bitcoin always equals one Bitcoin, but the biggest indicator to the outside Bitcoin space is the price. I mean, whether we want to admit it or not. And so, you know, that's just a bunch of institutional capital that's waiting to come in. And, you know, when it's Bitcoiners uh, building Bitcoin companies, as I'm sure you know, like when that price pumps and, you know, you kind of get all that, it's, it's easier to have that conversation. So I think, you know, I'm torn because I believe the true power of Bitcoin is obviously like the decentralized nature, nature being able to be your own bank. But at the same time, like somebody like BlackRock getting into this is going to make the price pump. I mean, it's just like no way around it. They're going to put a bunch of money into it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm kind of torn on it, but Hey, I mean, it is, it's, it's getting a lot more fun on Twitter to, uh, these days to say the very least. Yeah. Um, are, are so like, I'm expecting like just straight up chaos. I, I'm like, cause right now the, I guess the, the pump that we're seeing, is that just related to people like trying to front run this? Or do you think that's just like a small group of people that know ahead of time, like what's happening behind the scenes or what do you think that I is? Think a, little of, a little of both. I mean, we have always seen like, uh, you know, well, one, it's like probably like plebs or, you know, some traders trying to get in a little bit before um, the ones that weren't like necessarily DCAing. But, you know, when it comes to um, <clears throat> some sort of stock or anything like that, yeah, there's people behind the scenes that always make money on it, right? I mean, like Nancy Pelosi made a big name for herself on Twitter because she was always front running all these stocks that she would purchase. And then all of a sudden, some government deal would be passed with an, with some company. So, you know, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Whether or not we'll be able to know um, if people are front running or not is probably unlikely. Um, but, you know, I think at the same time, like, like, like I was kind of saying, it's, it's kind of just adds validity. So um, the rumors have been floating around for a while. But now that, you know, there's like a ticker symbol and all this other, you know, kind of actual... I guess, uh, stuff behind it, not just rumors. It seems like there's actually, it's actually going to happen this time. Um, that, that, you know, people are probably trying to front run it because it's obviously it's not live just yet as we're recording this, but, um, it seems like it's getting set up to be here pretty soon. Gosh, dude. Oh man. I don't know. And, and, and like, when you look at like, Cause they've been working on this when they, when they submit the application, like back in August or was it like, when, when was the application actually sent? And this is the fastest yeah. I've ever seen it get approved. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I want to say that they've like applied for something similar to like this or either it was them or maybe grayscale or somebody else mm -hmm. uh, previously. I remember hearing about this kind of like a, a year ago or so, but um, 
it wasn't BlackRock necessarily, but now that BlackRock is in, it's kind of been, you know, they're one of obviously one of the bigger players. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was either August or September time when they first submitted this and it's, you know, one of the many submittals that have kind of gone into the sec for this spot ETF. So I wouldn't be surprised if after one gets approved, uh, a couple more kind of play. Yeah. God, dude. Oh man. Football effect. Oh man, this is not good. (laughs) Yeah. Just like talking to here about at the lab, I'm just like everybody, you know, we don't pay attention to the price or whatever, but it definitely is a distractor. Like, you know, you know, one of the comments I heard was like, can we just get back to building quietly? And like, now it's like that quietness is kind of going away. if, If this price starts running up, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, definitely. Um, it'll definitely have more eyeballs on it. Um, you know, some of the things that you know, are building that maybe not ready to, I guess, grow on a mass scale, like people are kind of waiting for this pump, I think. And it's not only, you know, just Bitcoiners. I think, you know, I'm even seeing like people who are, I guess, not just like full-fledged, you know, orange-pilled and uh, what like, I guess, uh, just strictly Bitcoin maxis, but like, I think even like the crypto people are kind of waiting for this too. And, you know, that obviously causes the hysteria in itself, right? It's just like, we've been in this bear market for a couple years now. And it seems like everybody's just been kind of like lulling along. I know we've talked, we've had a few conversations offline, just like kind of, man, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard in the bear market to, to continue to build and grind away. And I think this was the first sign of potentially going back to a bull market, I don't know if this was just kind of like a little pump and then maybe we'll even see a BART where it'll go back down um, and or go sideways for a little bit. I don't even really know. But, you know, I think everybody's just I, I mean, I think what we can tell in the past like 12 hours is that everybody's just ready for another Bitcoin bull market outside of just like the people who have been building and kind of grinding away where everybody that's grinding away is like, all right, well, I, you know, I was kind of, you know, maybe I'm not ready for the next bull market and what all comes with it, you know? Yeah. It's a crazy time to, for it to be happening here in October. I was expecting the opposite. Like I was expecting like for the price to crash even further <laughs> in December. And like, I was expecting like really dark days ahead. That's what I was preparing for. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of shocked to be honest. Like I, I was not expecting to wake up today and see like 34 K Bitcoin. Like that was not on my, <laughs> on my agenda. Um, it's a nice surprise, but I was literally anticipating, okay, we're at 27, 28. And then we'll, you know, we'll be down to like, I don't know, 21, 20, 18 by the end of the year. And a lot of that. And that will, that'll keep going up until like February. I was thinking like, okay. And then we'll get back to like the twenties again. That was my mindset, like going in and it's always, it always does the complete opposite of what you're anticipating. That's what's crazy about Bitcoin, man. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I hear you, dude. I didn't really see this coming as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, I still, I, I not completely sold that we're back in on a bull market just yet. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think like, you know, as, as we've kind of seen, like Bitcoin goes through these little pumps and this is a, like strictly a pump off of just Bitcoin news from what I can tell. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into like the more of the macro situation here in a little bit, but you know, obviously it, the ETF news comes, uh, like last week from coin telegraph, we see a little pump and then, you know, it comes on Monday and we, we see this pump is again. So, you know, I think, 
Yeah, it's, it is interesting because we're seeing kind of like a downturn in everything else or at least like some stagnation and everything else. So maybe this is the sign that Bitcoin is going to start to decouple. But it is kind of interesting, you know, like two two parts of this are kind of interesting is like the overall macro environment is like a little hairy, uh, to say the very least. And then, um, you know, the uh, uh, and p- with the potential of the recession and then it's a pump like strictly off of Bitcoin news. It's not really off of, you know, um, anything like related to. Uh, like tech stocks or, you know, something like macroeconomic wise, it's just strictly the Bitcoin news, which is pretty cool to see, I think. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Like, because it, because hypothetically, and we can move away from this. I just want, I just want to focus on this just because like, you're the guy who I always ask about this stuff. (laughs) Uh, Hypothetically though, let's just say, um, let's just say the ETF does get passed this year. Does that mean we're right back at like, peak, uh, you know, 2022, like 2021, like what, like what, what does it look like as far as price? Do we go right back to where we were for the last bull run or, or what do you think? Or like, or does that, does that, or we've already, it's already priced in now at this point. So we just stay here at 34, 33, and then that's the ETF. Yeah. I don't think like the ETF is necessarily priced in just yet. And then, you know, to kind of how like a lot of these big institutions have to buy in, they have to buy in like slow and steady. They can't just kind of like whale in and buy a bunch right away. Um, that is kind of regulated. So like, you know, whenever you hear like MicroStrategy, for example, because I've already brought them up, um, you know, when they come in and buy Bitcoin, they have to buy it over, you know, uh, depending on how much they buy, but in a couple weeks or a month or however long it is. Uh, and they're not allowed to really just go in and just whale in to accelerate the price up right away. Um, so we'll probably see like, you know, some, some of these jumps on the news just from like maybe some other people trying to front run it, um, front run the news, but we'll see kind of like a slow and steady run up and then that'll run into the having, um, which, you know, that can kind of cause some, some havoc as well too. So, um, yeah, I don't think the ETF is priced in. I think like, we'll probably see, the next all-time high, probably I would like I wouldn't guess until like 2025. Um, like I, generally speaking, if you kind of look at the chart of after the having, um, each one, you know, you see the kind of the slow run up in the four-year cycles, which kind of coincides with the, the business cycle. But every single time we've seen the peak after the all-time high, or the peak uh, after the having. Um, you know, get kind of farther away from the having um, as far as like time period goes. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it uh, maybe early 2025, like Q1. Um, I know there's always the the theory of like the super cycle and whatnot. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really, uh, I don't really foresee that anytime soon. But um, you know, because I still think like you know, as the world is, we're we're still kind of in that fiat world where. We have these four-year-ish business cycles, which take place, and that kind of uh, rolls into the you know the four-year uh, cycles of Bitcoin too. So until we kind of I guess fully diverge away from that, I still think we'll see you know a lot of those four-year cycles. Um, maybe they won't be as dramatic, and the volatility will go down. Um, but you know 
now that all this institutional money is going to go in, like we're still, you know, as much as much as Bitcoiners love to say it, I, I mean, I'm going to pull it out here. The cliche is like, we're still so early. Like if you look at the market cap of Bitcoin compared to, you know, a lot of these other assets, it's just so, you know, so much smaller than, than everything, you know, like than gold, real estate, all this other stuff. It's just like a fraction of it. So, um, you know, uh, you can, I'm sure a lot of other people will go out there and make some crazy, crazy, crazy price predictions. I'm usually not one to make those predictions. Yeah. So, um, I just kind of like look at, you know, where it is. And, you know, the other interesting aspect of it is too, is like from the last bull run, we saw FTX and a lot of these like bad players handing out paper Bitcoin. So, right. you know, if we've got that situation under wraps, maybe we do, maybe we don't. But I don't think that there's going to be as many big players around um, that can issue that paper Bitcoin like FTX was able to do. So I think like this next bull run, it's set up to be a lot, you know, a lot uh, better than the than the last one, um, just because like institutional money, more people coming in, less bad actors. Um, and like, because of the higher interest rates, it's just like going to be harder for a company like FTX to come in and be at a crazy evaluation and raise all these marketing dollars and do like all the crazy things that FTX was doing. Um, and yeah, I, I think that, you know, that that's setting up for, uh, a nice little recipe or cocktail for uh, a big giant, uh, green candle there. Dang, nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you got the get the green candle hat on. It looks clean, man. I know, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. How's bought, that? Yeah, tell me <laughs> about it. Yeah, I bought 10 and then I wore one on the boat uh this weekend and one of them fell off and is now in the in the ocean, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't know. I just kind of handing them out. So maybe next time I'm in Austin, I'll I'll give you one if you want one. Hell so, yeah. Dude, yeah. uh yeah, it's it's good to have you back on. Obviously, we didn't just I didn't have you on just to talk about uh, Bitcoin, but it was it was definitely uh, on the top of my mind, uh, you know, but uh, what's going on with the macro stuff? I haven't really been paying attention to it right now. I'm, I'm kind of dealing with a, a lot of moving and stuff right now with like, you know, we're moving offices and stuff here in Austin. So I'm dealing with a lot of like, just dude, for lack of a, I don't want to curse, but like just red tape, dude, just like yeah. all sorts of fiat things. And, uh, yeah, I wish I could go and complain, but I can't do that. But, um, to say the least, it's, uh, it's really frustrating. Um, so what the heck is going on out there in these markets? Um, and, uh, yeah, dude, what are, what are we experiencing right now? Cause it, it feels like our recession happening right now, but I, I yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on who you ask on whether or not the recession's actually happening. Um, you know, but but basically, long story short, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates, you know, at a skyrocketing rate. Um, they've been, I wouldn't say like they paused raising, but they've been uh, the past couple meetings not raising or raising 25 basis points. Um, Jerome Powell has come out and said essentially that he's not going to um, you know, pivot until 2025, uh, whether mm. or not that's true. I mean, I'm one to believe that, that he is just because, you know, everything that he said so far to this point, he's kind of stuck to his guns. He said higher for longer, that kind of thing. And 
you know, the consumer, whether you believe it or not, um, has kind of held strong, uh, meaning that the consumer is still out there spending, uh, although there is a lot of cracks underneath the surface. If you look at, you know, credit card debt, housing affordability, and then student loan repayments are about to start opening up. There's a lot of issues where spending is probably going to slow down here soon, uh, but employment is still high um, to the point where, you know, I, I don't really trust the jobs data, if you ask me, but, um, you know, those that kind of use that aspect of things, uh, well, I guess I'll go into a little bit of why I don't trust that data. Um, like the JOLTS report is like a perfect example. It's a survey-based um, jobs report. And, you know, previously it was like your American duty to go and, you know, fill out these surveys. Uh, so, you know, the census and everything like that could have proper data. And that would have anywhere from like 60 to maybe even 80 at the peak response rate. Well, we're getting below 30% response rate now because, you know, one, people just don't check their mailbox anymore. And uh, two, like it's just an old and outdated system. Like you don't really send mail anymore. Um and so, you know, this data is all backwards looking and uh, showing that, um, you know, all the companies are somewhat tightening, uh, maybe laying off the fat um, or trimming the fat, so to speak. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of tech companies do that earlier this year, or maybe even it was like about a year ago at this point. But, um, you know, I think all the companies that have made it this far are either still kind of doing maybe a layoff of, of a few percentage points of, uh, you know, employees or kind of holding steady and pausing hiring. But there is a lot of job openings there. Uh, I think the people that are getting kind of hurt with these job openings are maybe not entry level or like C-suite, but kind of that in between where they're not necessarily management, but they're, you know, a few years experience above uh, you know, those entry level positions, um, because, you know, usually you can get entry level positions to kind of try to figure it out, work hard and pay them less money. And then they're not qualified to be like on the managerial level. Um, so, you know, the, the consumer is still holding strong. Um, housing is still kind of steady because of that. Although, you know, mortgage rates are, at 8%, which is the highest, I think, in like 25 years uh, they've ever been. So, um, you know, housing in big cities, like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in Austin, it boomed like crazy. Um, in cities like Austin, Nashville, where a lot of people kind of flock to, housing's kind of going down. But in other cities that saw maybe like secondary growth, like Tampa is a good example, um, housing's staying kind of steady. And I think that housing is probably going to stay steady and a lot of these bigger, um, you know, cities uh, that people have kind of like, I guess, flocked to. Um, and now everybody's being kind of stagnant, right? I mean, we're seeing like more of a revert back to that hybrid workforce opposed to just like the stay and work at home, the remote work, um, at least in traditional jobs, probably not in Bitcoin jobs. But um, so, yeah, so like... Uh, you know, the Fed is going to continue to raise rates. The market is calling for uh, a pivot. Um, whether that's going to occur when the market calls for it or not is, is, is unlikely, in my opinion, because the um, the market called for a pivot basically all this year and it didn't happen. And then now the market was, was calling for a pivot in September of 2024. And now it's moved that up to March, springtime or so of next year. 
it seems like it's just the market's trying to front run the Fed. And I just don't think that the Fed and Jerome Powell really cares about that. You know, I've had a couple really interesting guests on my podcast. One of them has been Tom Luongo. And his theory is basically the Fed is trying to destroy a lot of these other fiat currencies by making the dollar extremely strong, by raising interest rates, making the offshore dollar market for a lot of these European countries and outside countries who are kind of, you know, their currencies in a sense, depend on the dollar, make those currencies weak and kind of fiddle them out that way. Um, and, you know, we've kind of seen that that occur where a lot of other fiat currencies are are really hurting. But on the flip side of things, that has made, you know, some of the other countries like the BRICS countries upset in a sense where obviously, you know, we see the Russia-Ukraine conflict. We've seen Russia kind of pull their lever of energy and, uh, you know, oil, gas, petroleum, that kind of stuff. Uh, and kind of pull that away from countries who are kind of, I guess, siding with the U.S. in a sense. So we're kind of in an interesting aspect of things where the U.S.'s lever to pull has been the monetary policy, where everybody else, their lever to pull has been kind of on the energy side of things. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, like macro-wise, we're, we have a lot of cracks in the consumer in the U.S., um, some potential geopolitical tensions, um, but the consumer is still holding strong. And we've, you know, if you would have asked me about a year ago, if we would probably be in a, a recession at, uh, by this time, I probably would have told you yes. But it seems like, you know, not everything is crashing and burning just yet. And maybe that recession is going to keep getting pushed out for a while. And we're kind of in this, I guess, stagflationary period where, you know, uh, up until Tuesday or Monday, um, the Bitcoin price just kind of was floating sideways. That's where I kind of see the overall macro economy is we're just kind of floating sideways right now. Yeah, dude, it's um, ah. yeah, because the last time we talked was in March. And I think at that time you were saying, oh, you know, we're definitely headed to recession, depression. It was very doomer at that time, uh, just because of everything that was happening in March. Um but I, I think now, I mean, it's weird. It's almost like two realities. Like, cause I'll, I'll have a conversation with like, let's just, just be my situation here right in Austin. So like, you know, been looking at all these new offices and stuff like that. So on one hand you, you check in with them a month ago and it's a different price. And then now it's a totally different price than that price. And, uh, even the, um, even on the, like, uh, in our current office space, right. It's just like some private equity firm that owns it somewhere else. Right. And you're, what you're seeing is just they're, they're not willing to budge, but are they, they're not willing to budge because maybe they have other assets uh, elsewhere that, that they can uh, leverage of, of a sort. Um, but there's no one actually moving in. Like, that's another thing that's going on there. Like this office space is not being moved into either, but things are going down. But in other areas are going up. Uh, and then you have all this renovation that's going on around us. Right. Uh, but then also you have homelessness that's on the rise and crime and all that stuff. So it's just like all these different realities. It's almost like no one is on the same page of where we should be. It's almost like we're living in like five, six different worlds here. Um, and, and everybody's, yeah, it, does that, does that make sense at all? It almost feels like there's just, cause I feel like before maybe two or three years ago, everybody, you know, everything was going up. Everybody was on kind of the same page of where it was headed you know, even on the homeless side, like you, when, you know, when you look at the homeless side, that was kind of teetering off. And then you look uh, just like on the, like the small business, medium-sized businesses that was growing. 
steady. And nowadays it almost sees like there's just different realities happening all at once. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, it definitely makes sense. And, you know, kind of back to your point on like commercial real estate, that's where I think like the biggest issues are because, you know, you, you highlighted a perfect point there, right? I mean, we saw a lot of commercial buildings in you know San Francisco, LA, Chicago, like a lot of these big cities uh, go to, you know, or like businesses move away from there, move to places like Austin or like, you know, Florida and whatever. And now these big giant commercial buildings are empty. Um, whereas, or like have like 25% occupancy. So a lot of these buildings are going under, um, you know, banks are reevaluating them at like 25 or 50% of their overall valuation. And these loans, how they loan against them essentially as like, you know, a five to 10 year fixed rate. Um, and then it gets changed. So obviously rates have increased and the occupancy has gone down. So, you know, and, and that's how a lot of these buildings are, valued at um and so it, you know it it, it was going to say it almost makes me wonder if each one of these places and these equity firms private equity firms or even the people that are owning these that own these buildings are are taking risk right like they're they're like they're taking on risk and it makes me wonder like okay like so which ones aren't taking risk and which ones are taking risk and i think i think there's that kind of sentiment that's out there maybe maybe some of these people are over leveraged and they can't talk about it or they can't say, but then maybe there's other people who aren't and they're just, they're, they're able to take on risk and offset that. It's just fascinating, dude, how there's just so many different uh, books out there being played right now. No, a hundred percent. So I think, you know, the, big private equity guys that probably have like a huge portfolio. This is like a fraction of it, right? Maybe they have some commercial right. buildings or apartment buildings, which are probably doing just fine. Um, but like the office buildings aren't doing as well. So maybe they can afford to leave this vacant for, you know, a couple, you know, months at a time, or maybe even half a year and not really hurt. But like the mom and pop, uh, smaller equity guys uh, that are trying to buy these commercial buildings, those are the ones that are going to get killed and just absolutely destroyed when it comes to this stuff. And, you know, I, I've been kind of, you know, teetering back and forth with the idea that commercial real estate might be kind of the cog to fall when it comes to, you know, a potential recession. But the other aspect of it to me is that, you know, it might just be like such a small percentage of the population that it, it won't really affect it too much. And it's, kind of sad because like like you said and like you know i'm sure you see all the time in downtown austin is like a lot of these buildings that get abandoned um you know and it kind of causes like maybe a homeless issue and and all these other things and it just kind of makes the downtown's areas not as like nice to be around where there's not like small businesses or like local shops that you know austin is known for downtown where it's a lot of these like empty buildings uh and i think you know, in a lot of these bigger metropolis areas, that's what we'll start to see because like one, either the rent has gotten like absent, uh, absolutely crazy. And it's, you know, more of a hybrid work environment. So to go into the office two or three days a week, it's not justified to pay that, that amount for the business. Um, or two businesses are just staying like fully remote and they're just not going to have the expensive downtown office. Maybe they'll move out to the suburbs or something where, you know, they'll get families who would rather live out there opposed to, you know, people who are coming to work downtown. So, you know, I think it'll be, that'll be kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on is like, for sure, is the, the commercial real estate aspect of things and how that affects everything going forward. Because I think we've already started to see cracks in that. And, you know, obviously the small regional banks that 
lend to those investors who buy those commercial buildings, um, they've already been kind of hurting. And so, uh, w- so the, the preparedness of like not being able to, um, in a sense, you know, get the return on the, the loan from the commercial buildings might not be, um, you know, might not be there for some of these smaller banks too. Gosh. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in 2024. Um, because, because in one, one aspect of it, you'll have this reality where us as Bitcoiners see the price, you know, whatever it does, I would imagine it's going to go up. Um, and then you have the, you know, real estate and commercial property. I would imagine it's going to go down or be available. Um, it's going to be really fascinating dude. 2024 is going to be really fascinating to see. I think, I think everybody knew just right off 2023. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what I've done personally. <laughs> just like, Hey, yeah. let's just survive through 2023. Uh, but 2024, I don't know. Is there a reason to be bullish in 2024? Or, um, well, yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, commercial real estate is maybe the only like big bearish thing that I'm seeing right now, because, you know, if you look at the overall stock market, I think we're like still up, like all the major indexes are up about 10% year to date, which is about an average year. Right. I mean, we were up like maybe 20 percent from the uh, year to date um, at like an all time high um, or I guess like at the year highs or whatever it was. But, um, you know, we're still up 10 percent. Stocks are still kind of, you know, uh, equities are still kind of just chugging along. Um, You know, there has been kind of the narrative that, you know, the seven players um, are kind of holding the S&P 500 up or propping it up, Mm. which is true in a sense. But I mean, like, you know. Uh, somebody, uh, made this comparison to me today and I kind of liked it. So I'm going to, I'm going to repeat it, but he basically said like, look, if I was drafting an NBA team and I needed five guys, I would pick the five proven all-stars, right? I would need, I'd pick LeBron, Giannis, Luka Doncic, Jokic, um, <laughs> like an all-star team, right? Like you wouldn't go and pick like some unproven r- rookie, um, and like kind of revolve your entire thesis around that. Right. I mean, maybe you get lucky, maybe you draft a LeBron and he's like that at his, at his young age, but how many draft picks kind of go out and flame out. So that's kind of what, what we're seeing in the stock market is a, like the big players are still, you know, holding steady and just absolutely crushing it. Um, and it's been definitely like a stock pickers sort of market, but at the same time, like, the overall market health is about on average. Um, and so, you know, there's that and like residential real estate is still kind of holding true uh, just because there's like such low inventory. You know, usually we see, uh, I guess like there's there's about a million houses for sale on the market right now. Usually we see about two to three million, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Um, so even though that the rates are so high, you know, there's still transactions going around and like the overall price of homes are still, you know, staying uh, at like relatively stagnant levels or maybe even increasing in some markets, depending on where you look. So, you know, real estate isn't exactly crashing. The stock market isn't crashing. The only like kind of negative thing that I see really is just kind of commercial real estate. And then obviously, you know, we're seeing Bitcoin, you know, pump a little bit here too, um, and then we have, you know, obviously the, the, the having coming up and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of other potentially positive things for, for Bitcoin in the, in the near future, it seems like. So, you know, I, I know we just kind of went through the doom and gloom of commercial real estate, but 
everything else, it's like, we're not exactly like pumping like we were, you know, after the COVID stimulus came in, but um, we're not exactly all doom and gloom here. I think like we're kind of, you know, holding steady. And uh, as long as the consumer can stay strong, which, you know, we don't really have any reason to believe it won't other than, you know, Powell kind of just hinting at that unemployment should increase um, that, you know, we, we, we should be able to be, you know, pretty good spot going into the having and going into 2024. Yeah. I would imagine the job market is just like decimated right now. I, I haven't looked or I don't know, but, um, I would imagine that's not doing too well. Everything. And then kind of goes back to this kind of theory I have, like, maybe there's just, maybe there's just people that have money to buy these things right now. And that's kind of what we're seeing. And they're kind of just mirage of, uh, of, we think everything's fine, but it's literally just like, uh, these buyers, I don't want to call it last resort, but these buyers of, uh, of, 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 fiat resort <laughs> or I, I don't yeah. know what I don't, you know what I'm trying to say? It's just like, is that what's going on out there? Maybe there's just more, more you know, maybe there's just few buyers that are buying a lot of this stuff that, uh, it's just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Anecdotally, I am looking for a new job right now. So, I mean, from that perspective, like I had had a couple interviews, but I also know that there's a lot of jobs out there that, you know, post, their jobs. And then I'll get an email back that says like, you know, they're not hiring right now for this position. You know, they kind of paused hiring. So I think like the job market is kind of iffy. I think that, you know, there's like, like I kind of said for people in like my position specifically, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult. It's either like, I'm going to have to a find somebody that's going to believe in me and get a position that I'm maybe not as a hundred percent qualified for, or I'm going to probably have to take a pay cut. Um, which, you know, I, I mean, I'm hoping I don't have to. So hopefully I'm not jinxing it or saying anything like that. But, you know, at the same time, it's like it is kind of where it's either something where it's like five to 10 years experience or like kind of entry level. Um, so there's jobs out there. It's just maybe like people like me who are kind of in between don't necessarily qualify for one or don't want to take the pay cut and go to the, the entry level positions. Um, but I mean, I've also been on the hunt not too long, so, you know, I'm just kind of overreacting a little bit, um, just from what I've seen. But I also know some people that, you know, got laid off three, four months ago and are just now getting into a new position. Um, okay. So there's, there's jobs. Sounds like there's jobs out there. Maybe the competition is a little bit more fierce than probably would, would have been three or four months ago. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely know that like jobs are, you know, I've, I've, I kind of had like a couple Twitter spaces on this, which was like, you know, kind of interesting where some hiring managers came in and they said, essentially now the environment they get, you know, they don't have to prove anything on like a resume or check. So they just kind of like look at it. They have the recruiter vet for like five, 10 minutes. And then, you know, it's more of like three or four interviews. And then they do usually some sort of exam if it's some type of, you know, coding position or engineering position. Um, or maybe they do some sort of like personality test. Like it's a little bit more in depth of the interview process now than maybe it was like three, four years ago where like everything was in person. Um, because like, you know, you can't really like, you can kind of hide behind the screen, I guess, so to speak. And like, say you have these skills when maybe you net, you don't necessarily. So I think that environment is changing where it's like, the hiring process is well more dragged out than, uh, than maybe it was before. But I think other than that, um, you know, there is some jobs still out there. 
Gosh, man. So many realities going on at once. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, on the Bitcoin yeah. side, it's a good day. You know, <laughs> the price is bumping. Yeah. It's a good day. Um, gosh, dude. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, I, I try to keep my head down and just keep working and, you know, take it one day at a time, that kind of approach. And, you know, every once in a while, you got to pop your head back up to see what's going on. And uh, today was one of those days. But it, it's, it sounds like maybe we're going to have a better 2024. Maybe this, maybe this is ending. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean is, 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 is pal really our pal or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, look, I, I like in the Bitcoin space and, you know, a lot of the, the financial spaces, they really gave pal a hard time, but you know, I think like he's pulling the only lever that he really can, which is the interest rates. And he's trying to combat inflation. Now, will we ever get back down to that 2% inflation mark that the Fed just magically came up upon? I personally doubt it. We'll probably get to the 3 4% mark, and then they'll have to pull back. Because like, I just think the, the amount of you know, debt that the U.S. has gotten into, the amount of, you know, the M2 money supply that Bitcoiners love to look at that chart and just see that, you know, exponential growth that we went through, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, I, I just don't really foresee us like getting back to that point. And I also don't foresee us getting back to that zero interest rate environment that we had from like 2010 to 2020, basically, you know, so I think that, um, you know, there will be a recession, how hard it will be. I, you know, before I was saying like, it was, you know, I mean, I'm sure people could go back and listen to that episode. And I'm sure I was just like, yep, we're, we're screwed basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. I it was something really, like that. It was something like that. Yeah. I don't know if we're necessarily as screwed as, uh, you know, I previously thought. Um, but like, you know, I, I've kind of been surprised by the resilience of the consumer and the resilience of, you know, people trying to spend money and, you know, that's kind of at the end of the day, that's what makes the world go around right now. Right. I mean, that's, you know, we're in this debt based system that, you know, in, uh, encourages people to spend before their, their money is devalued. Right. So, um, as long as that keeps trucking along, you know, I think we'll be okay. Maybe we'll see a slight recession in 25, but I think in 24, like I have no reason to really believe that we'll really see anything start to surface really poorly or get and get really poor uh, and stuff get really poor until like the, maybe towards the end of next year. Um, and that'll be a very interesting time because that's when I think, you know, the Bitcoin price will start to start to really pump up too. So um, yeah, we'll probably see a lot of people start to flock into an asset like Bitcoin um, we'll see institutions come into an asset like Bitcoin and uh, all these ETF vehicles are going to start, you know, flooding in the market. So, yeah. Uh, so this is where I think, I think you hit it on right there. Cause I, at least from my side, like on the business side, I, I, I find myself only paying for things that absolutely will make me more money or bring some type of value to us. Right. And, and that goes on, on the hiring and the hiring side as well too. Right. So I'd imagine just from like a consumer standpoint, I'll, you're probably seeing a lot of that. And that's probably why they say like, oh, you know, some of these companies will get washed out or they'll just disappear. It's just because no one was buying anything they were selling or they just weren't, they just weren't a value. You know, what are those, 
people always say, oh, these companies are not really valuable. They're kind of zombie companies because they don't really make yeah. any money. And we're seeing that with Reddit and all these type of things and total, total great example of a classic rug pull. But I think, I think we are going to see that. I think we're going to see a lot more of these kind of companies who just don't provide any value whatsoever, or these SaaS products that don't provide any value whatsoever. Turns out like Canva can do everything. You know, we don't need Canva and Figma, you know, those type of things like, or maybe you do, maybe you just need Figma. don't need Canva or just like these type of SaaS products that are out there. Don't need Dropbox and, and Google, you know, these type of things. And I think we're just going to see uh, just cuts. And and I know I'm doing that personally on my side where we're cutting a lot of these SaaS products and we don't actually use or actually even need. It turns out Airtable, we don't need it. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. why are we paying $20, $30 a month for Airtable? We could just do it inside of Google or whatever, you know, Dropbox or whatever it is. Right. Like, and I think, I think we're going to kind of get that. Uh, we're going to separate those, those products and those companies and that's happening already. If it, if it hasn't happened, that's why you're seeing a lot of these AI competing products, right? Like they're all implementing AI just to kind of stay, you know, in that kind of thing. Uh, and then you see the products that aren't implementing and you're like, why haven't you implemented, you know, this basic function, uh, which is yeah. just like an API call. So I think, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of these decisions being made and, uh, people are kind of getting, getting their books ready for, uh, <laughs> for 2024. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And I think, you know, a lot of these businesses, the way that they're approaching it is exactly like you lined out, right? I mean, they're they're making sure that they're, you know, making the the smart business decision, business, business decisions for the long term, right? I mean, they're making sure that these people are making money, like, you know, that uh, they're, they're making sure they're being conservative about growth, um, whether it's like raising money, right? I mean, raising money right now, I'm sure as you know, better than anybody, it's not, not exactly an easy tasks to chew off right now. Um, and so a lot of these zombie companies that were essentially never made any money and were just living off of these venture capital or debt um, and robbing Peter to pay Paul, like those guys are going to die off. Um, and I don't think we're going to really see an environment where those companies are able to prosper anymore. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see a lot of these uh, companies maybe like filter out. Maybe we'll see some some of them buy. Uh, you know, maybe the the prospering ones buy out the the smaller guys that are maybe the zombie guys if they like the product or service or whatever and be able to to turn a profit on it. I don't really know, but I think that you know it's it's going to be one like difficult, more difficult for small businesses to kind of get off the ground and get started. And uh, but two, like if they're able to get off the ground and get started, it'll make the companies more resilient in the end because, you know, you're having to really be cognizant of every dollar you spend. Right. I mean, um, because like those dollars are just harder to come by. And, uh, you know, whether it's like employees or, or um, you know, some service or product or whatever to, to help prop up your business, I think, you know, a lot more of those tough decisions are going to be made um, in this next you know, six to nine months, maybe even year. Um, uh, and uh, 24 is something where people are going to be really cognizant of their balance sheets just because of, you know, like a lot of the cracks that I that I mentioned a little bit earlier could potentially begin to surface. So, yeah, I mean, I think over time, uh, it'll just make the uh, businesses a little bit stronger and better. But, um, you know, in the short term, it's going to take some adjustment because a lot of, you know, maybe young entrepreneurs, they never had to go through a, an environment like this. Whereas like, you know, some of the seasoned vets, um, they've kind of had to go through some business cycles like this, or maybe even like the 08 recession and other things like that. But yeah. I think it's, 
interesting because like a lot of you know Bitcoiners uh, haven't had to experience something like this before, and Bitcoin alone hasn't had to experience anything like this. So yeah, I, I think just seeing it on my side, you know, and I can only speak to you know what, what we do here and that what I'm seeing, but not talking about anybody specifically, but it from what I can tell, just like on the fiat, you know, fiat startup BC area, you can you can see them already, you know they're allocating the dollars ready to, to fund whichever, you know, top tier, what do you want to call it? I don't want to call them blue chip or whatever fiat chip uh, company to make sure they stick around. Right. And these, these type of companies have never, they don't know how to make revenue because they've never actually had to make revenue. A lot of them, you know, will burn, you know, whether it's a million or 800,000 per month, just on their burn. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, like they're worse than the fed. Uh, I think, yeah. I think on just like on the, as far as like Bitcoin businesses, you typically see like a lot of them right now that, that have stuck around are learning the hard way. Like, right. Like they're like learning how to value, <laughs> how to value their customers, their clients, you know, their users. Uh, and they're taking all that into consideration when they're, uh, when they're, you're making revenue because at this point, if you can survive something like this, you're, you're pretty good. Like I would imagine, like you're, you're going to be going into 2024, like really, uh, really focused and knowing what you actually have to accomplish. And um, to be honest, Brandon, like a lot of people don't want to, don't want it hard, right? Like it's, you know, there's a saying in the Bitcoin startup space where like, you know, we build in Bitcoin because it's, uh, it's hard. It's like building in uh, hard mode. Like that's what it feels like when you build on Bitcoin. But like right now in, in this kind of like bear market that we're in, it's extremely hard mode <laughs> to survive. And that's just to survive. And, and, and just kind of what I'm seeing, you're seeing a lot of people just, you know, either rage quit or they just give up and they just can't hack it because it's like really hard. And I don't blame them. Like it's really effing hard. But the ones who can kind of go through this and experience it and build up this kind of, muscle memory from it. Um, they're going to be very, uh, they're, they're going to look, they're going to look very good at coming, coming 2024, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, and I, you know, I, I, I give it to the entrepreneurs, man, cause it's not easy. Right. And I mean, especially on Bitcoin, riding the volatility, riding the waves, being in at the forefront of a technology where a lot of, you know, general venture capital does not understand and still doesn't really understand especially in, you know, a downturn like this, where we see, you know, a lot of venture capitalists saw the collapse of, you know, the FTXs, the Celsiuses, like a lot of these bad actors, and now just don't want to even dip their toes in anything related to Bitcoin, because they, you know, conflate it with with crypto, unfortunately. Um, so I mean, I think that's, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult, right? I mean, or it has been difficult. And being an entrepreneur just in general, just isn't really easy, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the volatility of Bitcoin and the volatility of being an entrepreneur just kind of like accelerates it in both directions, right? I mean, the highs, I'm sure, are super high when Bitcoin's pumping. But, you know, when Bitcoin's low, um, you know, maybe you can justify it on the downturn. But I think, you know, this bear market has just been tough, man. I mean, we've seen a crab walk sideways for quite some time. And that's why I think, you know, we saw one day of like 12% increase and, you know, we're sitting here talking about it. Like it's, you know, it's like absolutely insane. Yeah, it's like, crazy. Was, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like for me, I'm, I was just like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, uh, I wasn't ready. Uh, I thought we were, I thought we had a lot more pain. I'm getting used to the pain, you know, kind of let's keep going with the pain, but 
I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of shocking. Like, like I said, in the beginning, it's kind of shocking because I was expecting more pain. Um, yeah. You know, no, I, I agree with you. Like I'm, a, I was expecting more pain too. And, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised too, if like, you know, we see this 12% jump and then be, you know, the ETF gets delayed or something like that. And then we don't see oh. another jump until, until that, you know, I mean, it could be something like that too, or we just kind of, you know, we saw the the quick jump and everybody is like, oh, all right, we're back at it again. And then, uh, you know, it gets, we're all to, it gets delayed. <laughs> oh man, yeah. dude. I think you just yeah. called it right there. I think that's probably exactly what's going to happen. It gets delayed and we go back down to the twenties. Uh, yeah. who knows dude? Like, but yeah, I could totally see that happening and that would fit with perfect with 2023, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Like you get a little bit of high and then you get back down to like, all right, that was fun for like 24 hours. Now we got to get back to it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cause like right now I'm, I'm, I, I've already kind of just have it just planted. Like 2023 is going to suck. Just get through it. This, it is what it is. You know, we get into 2024. Let's, let's, let's see what it looks like then. But I, I, I imagine 2024 is going to at least slightly be better than 2023. But I think for me personally, I'm just like, Counting out 2023 is, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Let's just, let's just yeah, get through yeah, it. Yeah. But it's another year, right? Of Bitcoin adoption that's going to be, you know, implemented, right? I mean, I think like more countries are going to start adopting Bitcoin. Um, you know, I mean, we didn't even talk about like Argentina, like Javier Mille. I, I unfortunately didn't win, but. Oh, know, yeah. He, what he, happened he, with that? What happened with that? Uh, he, I mean, I, I don't really know. There's a lot of people that, that I kind of say to, uh, like maybe it's election fraud or something like that. They kept him out. Like I didn't really follow it that closely from what I understand. He was, you know, kind of ahead and, you know, I mean, he was on Tucker Carlson, like, you know, Javier Milley was like making the waves and, you know, the people in the United States and, and everybody were, were kind of hearing about him, but I saw a video simply Bitcoin put out. They were asking, you know, people from Argentina and Miami, like, what did you think of Javier Milley, just like the average person? And they were all kind of scared and tentative about him because of, you know, he's coming in with like a lot different or radical ideas compared to what they were used to. But obviously, you know, what they were used to is not exactly uh, the, the greatest economic situation with how, you know, volatile their um, their own currency is. So, uh, I, I think I just, people are just kind of worried about the change and I wouldn't, you know, just kind of based off stuff I've seen, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, well, maybe the Bitcoiners were just kind of all backing him. But, um, you know, everybody else that was, you know, an, of Argentina descent didn't really know much about Bitcoin and is kind of, uh, I guess, tentative on the fact of, you know, some some crazy guy coming in and being like, hey, let's switch to this funny Internet money kind of thing. Yeah. I think Bitcoiners are just louder <laughs> and yeah. we're, we're like that bright orange too. So it's really hard to like not see us. Uh, I would imagine it, you know, it was surprising to me though. Like, I think just kind of talking through this, it, it, that you see even El Salvador when they announced the whole Bitcoin thing, that was shocking. I, I didn't see that happening so soon. And then even this ETF thing to go back to that, like I didn't, I, I would have thought this not going to happen until like, you know, years later. Like I, so this is kind of shocking that we're actually even discussing this right now. And I think seeing Argentina jump on as well too, would be shocking for me as well too. Again, I, I, it's just moving a lot faster than I would have anticipated as far as adoption and getting it out there to the masses for, for Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, 
BlackRock kind of, I mean, they're, you know, investment managers, right? So they're supposed to try to find alpha in the market. I think, you know, based on what we've lined out here um, and like, you know, the hodlers like holding Bitcoin and not like, you know, wallets with over one coin not moving in like the past year. So I think it's like 60% or maybe even higher um, of wallets with over one full Bitcoin haven't moved a single uh, sat out of that wallet in the past year. It's like just like the kind of like hodler mentality, uh, all the other things that we've lined out. I think like BlackRock is just kind of opening up their eyes to that and have been seeing it, right? I mean, Fidelity, you know, I met somebody at Pacific Bitcoin who worked for Fidelity. And so like a lot of these other bigger banks, um, and like traditional finance industry or traditional finance institutions have already at least been keeping an eye on Bitcoin for quite some time. And then this is like, I guess the final leg of it is like, all right, well, now we got to get all these other people to give us money so we can buy Bitcoin. And then, you know, unfortunately, people won't be able to experience their own uh, I guess self-sovereignty by owning their own Bitcoin because they would have it in an ETF. But um, you know, it would also like open the eyes to a lot more people as to like the validity behind Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, there's that. And then, you know, obviously when we get in another bull run, I'm sure we'll have other countries start to, to, you know, turn their heads. And especially when, you know, El Salvador, you know, maybe they're buying, uh, I don't know what their average buy was. Maybe it was around 30, 35,000. Um, but once they pass that and, you know, all the headlines are, well, El Salvador is making this much on their Bitcoin investment, um, you know, and on their Bitcoin bonds, whenever those actually launch and, and all that other kind of stuff, I'm sure other countries will start to take notice. And I, and I think, you know, personally, I think a lot of them have already started to notice. And, you know, maybe some of these countries, too, that are pretty energy dense have started mining as well already. So. Yeah, I mean, I think like 24 is going to be an interesting time for adoption, not only in like companies, but like, you know, widespread um, political adoption as well. Yeah. And just on the builder side, you're just seeing more and more people come in to start building on Bitcoin. Just seeing that more and more. Um, yeah. New new people just coming out of um, wherever. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's finally we're getting the signal out there, just like in Austin as a community. But you, we're just seeing more and more new people showing up to the meetup, showing up to the comments, to Plub Lab, to workshops and stuff. And these are new people that we haven't seen before. Um, so I would imagine uh, a lot of that's, um, I mean, it's bullish, it's bullish for, uh, for Bitcoin as well too, just cause stuff's getting built. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think that like the building is gonna continue. I think more people are gonna start to get interested in it. And I think like, you know, I've just kind of seen more college kids get into it, right? I mean, I, I spoke at uh, the University of Tampa Crypto Club here. I mean, I yeah, how was that? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. I was I was surprised. There was like maybe 20, 25 kids at, at this thing. And, you know, they're, it's not a big, exactly a big school. So, you know, a lot of people are, are becoming interested in, you know, I guess like maybe it's like crypto at first, but then they find the way to Bitcoin, which I mean, maybe that's a little bit better. But I mean, a lot of the way that these kids were talking in college was a lot more, I guess, like educated on economics and things like that and just how the world works. And then I was at that time. So 
uh, makes me optimistic for the future that not only like, you know, people are going to start coming around where it comes to like inflation, they see their grocery bill is like $200 now when it was like 150, like a year and a half ago, or even less. Um, and, uh, yeah, now we're seeing kids kind of like wake up to the fact like, Hey, this Bitcoin thing is not going away and it's been around like since they were like five years old (laughs) (laughs) or whatever, however, seven years old or eight years old. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like something that's like, all right, well, it's, it's something that's here to stay. And like, you know, I know some teachers that are starting to teach, you know, some younger kids in like private school about Bitcoin, just kind of like tossing the theory out there. So, I mean, like, I think, you know, at, people are just starting to orange pill more. And I think more people are starting to get those touch points in order to start paying attention. Cause I think it takes like, I think it's like six to eight touch points before yeah. like it really sticks. So, yeah, I think uh, it's also like their millennial older brothers, not, not shutting up about uh, <laughs> Or, or, or their millennial dads or whatever, just not shutting up about Bitcoin. I mean, cause I mean, like, you know, I feel like the millennial generation knows it better than most about, uh, just getting the shaft on everything. So. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, our generation's just sick of it at this point. So we're just looking for it dude. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they're finally listening. That's cool, man. That's cool that you did that in, uh, in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, uh, two of the girls that run that club, they're actually like interns for Bitcoin Bay. So shout out to Bitcoin oh, Bay. Oh, wow. Wesley. Yeah. How are those guys doing? I just see you guys throwing parties all the time. Is that, uh, is that yeah. pretty much the, uh, the thing you guys just throw parties? Uh, no, we're not, we're not throwing parties. We have like a uh, social event. So they, they kind of do a unique structure. They have a bit devs once a month. Okay. They have, uh, socials i think like twice a month and cool. then like is more of like a workshop and then they also do like community <coughs> service stuff so i know that there's like a a halloween themed community service event this Aww, saturday that's cool uh, yeah do, so do you uh of- do you help them out brandon with anything or are you just uh just always over there uh, I attend. I, I've helped live stream some things. We've had some uh yeah, I mean I'm trying to do like the media coverage around some stuff. Uh, I try to give them as much exposure as I can. A couple of them have come on podcasts a couple of times too. That's cool. So um yeah, they they actually just went to an event at uh Gary Cardone's house. Yeah, I saw in, that. <laughs> yeah, they built uh they built a lightning uh a lightning powered uh tap um where you could I, I think it made like an old fashioned. Um, that's so that, that was Ben, right? Benny, Benny. Yeah. yeah. I saw that on Twitter. I was like, I was like, man, are they just doing soirees now? Are they still back on the grassroots mission or what's going on? But it's cool. Yeah. That was, I guess it was like a business event for Gary, uh, at Gary Cardone's house. I didn't green candle. Didn't get an invite. (laughs) Dude, aren't you the one that introed him to Cardone? Like what's going on with that? I think that. I think that they knew, knew that knew him before or something. And like, we both kind of met him at the same by, time. Yeah. But you've been to his time. house though. You've been to his house. You've like yeah, sat down with I, the man. Yeah. I interviewed him and I didn't, I didn't get anything. He just Dang. hits me up every now and then to try to go into his Twitter spaces, but that's about <laughs> it. I don't get the invite to the, to the cool party. What's going on, Cardo? What's going on? I know. Man. I know. I got to hit him up. <laughs> now nah, that's cool. I love what you guys are doing out there in Tampa. I'm just kidding. I, I, I love the the work that all of them are doing as far as like the, the wallet and 
Dude, that's what we're talking about, man. Just getting Tampa on the map. You guys are uh, yeah. you guys are making a move for being the place to go in Florida, man. Uh, Miami. Yeah, what's going on? I know, I know, I know. Ben and uh, Ben and Wes they're they're trying to push for uh, the Bitcoin Mag guys to look at uh, Tampa for twenty. What is it? Twenty five. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we get Bitcoin uh, the big Bitcoin conference down here or something like that. So that would be nice. We could definitely have something. I mean, it's, you know, a, a big community. Um, it's, you know, I, I can't say enough about the, like what the job that these guys are doing, like Ben and Wes and Fabio, they're, you know, got built a really strong thing here and yeah, they're going to continue to do it. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm bullish on Tampa. So to say the very least, so yeah. if there's any big leaders that are, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you get a lot of Austinites listening to this, but I moved from Austin to Tampa. So <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Tampa's a great place, man. Um, gosh, I, I love, I love what you guys are doing up there. That's awesome. Um, let everybody know where they can find you at. Uh, I know green candle is the pot. Are you still doing yeah. writing or no? So I'm, I, you've been giving me the push to do writing. So I'm, I'm starting to try to get back into it a little bit. Um, so I have like my newsletter, uh, green candle Um, but you know, mo- my most active on Twitter uh, green candle it on there. I'm on Nostra as well. Um, which I think is the same handle. If you can search that handle, I think on Nostra. Um, and then, um, yeah, YouTube green candle and then uh, state of Bitcoin podcast and macro insights podcast, wherever you get audio. But if you want to just watch the YouTube, I have them both there as well, but I, they're, I'm, they're both on fountain too. So if you want to stream me some stats, it'd be greatly appreciated. And, uh, yeah, yeah, who do you, thanks who do you, so much for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. Who are you guys, who are you having on uh, coming up? Because you've had some really heavy hitters on there, right? Yeah. So I've had like, I mean, I've just been, so yeah, as I kind of mentioned, I lost my job here. So I've been like just hammering away interviews. So I have a lot kind of uh, in Anything the, you can tease out? Anything you can tease well, out? I, I, released, uh, I released the, as we're recording this here on Tuesday, I released the YouTube of the Peter Dunworth video. Um, so, but I haven't uh, put the audio out yet. That's going to go on Friday. Uh, Mitchell Hoddle, I interviewed him. He's at uh, Blockware. Um, Wayfaring Bitcoiner, he's the guy that I started this all with, Green Candle. So uh, I released the audio. The YouTube's going to come out there soon. John from ZapRite, um, I interviewed him too. So that's going to come out here soon. And then, uh, and then I got Odell in the pipeline too. So what? I mean, I got, Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. You got, you got yeah. stay humble stack sats Odell. Exactly. Wow. So yeah, that man, so I got a lot of like, big ones coming up. So be on the lookout for all that. And yeah, dude, car, it's always a pleasure to come on and, and talk to you, man. I always appreciate it. Nah, dude, you always, you always keep me up to date with all the macro stuff. And uh, today with all the Bitcoin stuff, I don't, dude, I don't pay attention to the price. I mean, we have, we have, we have dark, we have a, you know, Clark Moody's dashboard here in the lab and I'll walk by it, but it's the same price all the time. After a while, I think think it's just stuck or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's not updating, right? uh, (laughs) Refresh, but uh, yeah, I I appreciate you coming by and just uh, giving us the, uh, the lowdown and everything. Um, Yeah, dude. Of course, as always, man, I'm, 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 I'm at your whim car. Whenever you want me on, dude, I'll be on. Nice.